I, I thought, boy, this is really something because I discovered something. And so today what we're going to do is scope it out. Everybody say scope it out. So I'm going to preach to you for a little bit about scoping it out, and I'll get to this in a minute. So how many of you have ever heard about New Age? Heard about New Age? Wave your hand if you've heard about it. Can I tell you that New Age is an old lie? Are you with me? New Age is actually an old lie. And let me explain that to you in Scripture. When... Eve is in the Garden of Eden. Satan comes to her as a serpent, and he tries to twist the Word of God. And he twists it just enough to get her to believe a lie. He twists it just enough to get her to believe that she can be like God. And basically, this movement is about man becoming God at the end. It's you're your own God. You determine your own way. And so you hear phrases like, well, it's, it's my truth. <laughs> if your truth is a lie, it's still a lie. Are you with me? So there's really only one truth. And Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? I can tell you what truth is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the Life. So I want to show this to you because I, I was really taken by this. I, I, I began to look at this and I thought how the world loves to take the Word of God and, and embrace it, but twist it just enough to get God out of it and to try and deceive people with it. Because if you would put up that uh, poster... When I, when I was looking, I, I was looking at this, and when I looked at this, I thought, my goodness. And I, I mean, when I started reading this, immediately, I mean, immediately, Scripture started coming to me, and I thought, wow. And I want you to look at that a minute, and I want you to see if you can see the one step that's the twist. If you can see the one step in this, and I'm going to go through this with you in just a second and show you how they've taken the Word and they've tried to implement the word, but they twist it just enough to try and get God out of it. So we become self-worshippers and going after our own truth instead of his. Let's start with number one, how the law of attraction works. Number one, it says what? Create a clear vision. Scripture, Habakkuk 2 and 2, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So they're putting a principle that's being taken from the word. Now we're going to skip number two because that's the twist if you hadn't picked it up yet. Okay, number three. Number three says what? Feel grateful for everything. Does that sound familiar to you? First Thessalonians, I can't talk. First Thessalonians 5 and 18. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Boy, it's so, it's right there, isn't it? Now look at number four. What's number four? Surrender the outcome. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Surrender the outcome. And I, 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 sometimes I wonder if they even realize that they're getting this from the Word of God. 
But let me tell you, the spirit behind it knows where it's coming from. The devil knew where it was coming from, and that's why he twisted it with Eve. So we know we surrender the outcome. Everything that happens isn't good. But he said, all things work together for the good to those that are called according to his purpose. What's he saying? He's saying that everything that happens in your life may not be good, but if you surrender the outcome to me, I'll work it for good and turn it around for you. Amen. Keep that up, please. So number five, what's number five say? Trust in divine timing. Look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What's he saying? He's saying trust in his timing. That you have to acknowledge him. You lean, don't lean to your own understanding. And so I'm telling you, I looked at this and I thought, man, these could have been bullet points for a message. And I thought, this is, this is, I mean, I was just taken back by how they have mirrored or mimicked the word of God. And then here comes the twist. Are you ready for it? Look at number two. Connect with the universe. Isn't that something that they would use all these principles that come out of the word of God and then point you away from God to try and see them fulfilled, to try and discover it? Can I tell you today that the only way you can connect with the universe is to surrender to the one who created the universe? Amen. Don't get excited on me. I said, the only way you can connect with the universe is surrender to the one who created the universe. And his name is, listen to Colossians 1 and 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Everybody say, created by him and for him. Connect with Jesus. Say it with me, connect with Jesus. So I, I looked at this and I thought about how the law of attraction really works. So let's take a look at Matthew 6 and 21. This is what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is really important that you get this because your Sometimes this, this verse gets misquoted and we say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That's not what this said. And if you turn those two things around, you change the entire meaning of it. Amen. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, which means this. Wherever you invest your time, your energy, your wealth is where your heart's going to be because your heart is going to follow what you treasure. Are you with me? Your heart follows what you treasure. So how many of you love your family? Praise God. And, and I'm glad to hear that. It'd be terrible if you sat next to someone and they kept their hand down. No, I don't care nothing about you. <laughs> so here, stay with me here. So if you love your family, then what happens is you invest time with your family, right? You, you spend time with your family. What, where should your greatest treasure be? 
What's the scripture say about what's the greatest commandment? To do what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, spirit, strength, everything you got. So let me ask you the question, where should your treasure be? With God. Now, I'm all about loving family, but when we take and invest in family and not invest in God, don't tell me you love your family. Because if you're keeping your family away from God, if, you're, if, if, if every Sunday is taking you away from the presence of the Lord and it's taking you someplace else and you're taking your family there, that's not loving God and that's not loving your family. Wherever you put your treasure is where your heart is going to go. Somebody say, I've got to follow my treasure. So that means I need to treasure Jesus. Everyone say it with me. Jesus is my treasure. So let me ask this question. Is it possible to build relationship when you're not spending time with someone? Far, far distance relationships, we, we, Hallmark says it for us. We just send a card, and that's not a replacement for relationship. So I thought about this, and I thought about how that we can't get what God has for us apart from God. Are you with me? So we can talk about how much I want God to have his way in my life and how much I want the will of the Lord in my life. But if I'm not spending time with God, if I'm trying to find that apart from God, it's not going to work. In January of 2020, a lady died by the name of Kathy Boone, and she died in a warming shelter in Astoria, Oregon. She was penniless in poverty. But she had an unclaimed fortune of nearly a million dollars. And she didn't even know it. Didn't know it. This is why she didn't know it. Because she didn't have a relationship with her father. Her mother had passed. Her father was trying to find her and give her almost a million dollars that her mother had said, this is for you. But she couldn't find him. She, he couldn't find her. Hear me. What God has for us, we can't get a hold of if he can't find us. If Well, God knows where I'm at. That's not the point. God's not trying to hunt you down. He wants you to come after him. He wants you to show him that you value him above everything else. And when we show up in his presence, you need to understand that what he's got. He says, seek ye second. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. How many of you would like to get some stuff added to you? I'm talking about kingdom stuff. I'm talking about godly stuff. I'm talking, say this with me right now. Would you do it? Look at your neighbor, take him by the hand, look right in their eye and say, I want everything God has for me. Now, do you, if you, if you mean that, say it again. I want everything God has for me. I don't want to go through this life and, and, and end up with less than God had because I was staying away from his presence. And I discovered something. I, I realized that there is not just a law of attraction 
but there's a law of distraction. So God is trying to attract us, and the devil's trying to distract us. Let me give you the definition for attraction. It means the act, process, or power of bringing close together. So God is trying to draw us to him. He's trying to bring us close to him. Here's the truth. Both Jesus and Satan want us, but they want us for different purposes. If you look, Jesus exercised the law of attraction by giving himself for us. Look at John 12 and 32. Jesus speaking, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to me. What's he speaking about there? You know, when I first got saved and I was reading that, I, I misinterpreted that and I was thinking that he was saying that if we would lift him up to others, that they would be drawn to him. And then as I started growing in the Lord, I recognized what he was talking about there was his crucifixion. He was saying that if I'm lifted up, that if I give my life, if I lay it down, I'm going to draw all men to me. Why? Because it's an act of love, and people are drawn to where they're loved. Amen. People are drawn to where they're loved. My wife has been saying this to me. She said she came up with this. For, I don't know if it's original to her, if she'd heard it someplace, but she said people love to go to church because they feel loved at church. They know they're loved at church. They know they're loved at church. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand on this, but how many of you have ever been in a few churches where you didn't feel so loved? You know, if you don't feel loved here, I want you to raise your hand. I'm fixing to sick my wife on you. <laughs> I've had Debbie's hugged more people. I think they, man, folks have been, didn't know what to do sometimes. They said, my wife's been coming at them like, how are you? And they, 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 oh, yeah, I'm okay. You know, but it's, and it's not fake and it's not phony. It's genuine. You know, you can't fake love. You can try it. You know, how many of you have ever experienced fake love? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, baby. No, no, no. When, when you really love someone, it's about really wanting. The scripture says that no love hath any man that he laid down his life for a friend. Wow. I thought about what the scripture said. It said that God commended his love toward us and that Christ died for us while we were what? Yet sinners. Before we ever said yes to him, he died for us. Man, that's commitment. That's love. And that draws us to him. Everybody say it's a law of attraction. We're attracted to him because he loves us. There's something about that that's powerful. There was a, I read a story about a sociology professor that had his students go out into the slums of Boston and they made like a case study of 200 students in the slum. They interviewed these students, they wrote down their life and what their surroundings were and then they gave their prognosis and this is what the students said about the young boys that they interviewed they don't stand a chance 
they don't stand a chance. That's a pretty glum interview, wasn't it? 25 years later, another sociology professor came through and found that study. And he wondered whatever happened to those boys. And so he sent his students out to find those boys. And they found all of them except 20 that had either moved away or had died. And this is what they discovered, that 175 out of 180 that they found had excelled. They, they were businessmen or doctors and lawyers. And the, the professor's just blown away. And he's thinking, what in the world? How did that happen? And so he goes back and he starts to interview these boys that now are men and successful and said, what happened? What, what do you credit this to? And they all of them said, there was this teacher. Amen. <laughs> He thought, wow. And it was the same teacher. And so he said, I got to find the teacher. He tracked her down. She's 82 years old. And he tracked her down and he thought, what did you do? What was your formula? What were, how did you do this? How did you make these boys successful? And she looked at them and she said, I loved every one of those boys. I'm telling you, there's something powerful about love. It looks past my fault and it sees my need. Jesus loved me while I was still a sinner. He loved me before I ever got straight. He loved me. When he found me broken and distraught, he loved me. Amen. And he loves you. Amen. That's the law of attraction. That teacher made those young boys feel like they counted, like they could accomplish. And if God loved us, then my friend, we ought to love one another. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, that's the attraction. Now, in the 10th chapter of John, Jesus exposes the devil's mission, and it stands in stark contrast to what his is. Listen to this in 10 and 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what the devil wants for us. That's what he's after. There's a scripture in one of the Old Testament prophets where it says that it's a place where satyrs dance. And the word satyr there in Hebrew translates to demons or devils. So there's a place where the devils dance over your life a place where they dance over your demise, over your brokenness and over your failure. They danced and they laughed, but Jesus came in and he came in, he said, but I've come that you could have life and have it more abundantly. I've come to rescue you from that death dance and I'm going to become your new partner. You're gonna dance through life with me, not just here in this life, but through all eternity. He loves us. The devil's trying to destroy us, and Jesus gives himself for us. Satan's not trying to attract us. He's trying to distract us. The word distract comes from two Latin words. The first part of that word dis means apart, and the second part of that Latin word is trahir, which means drag. So the devil is trying to drag us apart from God. 
He does it through every distraction he can find. He's trying to take us apart from him, rip us from him. Distractions, what are they? We got to scope it out. Wow, Pam, you know you got a cavity right there? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Scope it out. What's the scope do when you're hunting? The scope pushes away the distractions. The scope causes me to single in on the target. I was hunting this year, and when I was hunting, I was up in a deer stand, and man, it was cold and windy, and all of a sudden, I heard some deer in behind me. I'm, I'm trying to look around, but I can't move. I'm exposed. I'm not covered in a blind. I'm, I'm up in the stand, and they keep looking right at me, and I'm frozen. Do that for about 30 minutes and see how that happens. <laughs> and I, I'm just frozen, and they finally start walking out in front of me. I ease up the gun, and I get him in the scope. The problem is I can't get a side shot on him. The only part he's showing me is his back end, or she's showing me is her back end. Now, here's the thing, is in the meantime, there's a bunch of other deer that I hear walking out of the woods, and I am struggling to keep her in the scope. And then all of a sudden, I, 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 I broke away and I, I looked for just a minute and man, there, there are all kinds of deer. And then I go back to the scope and I've lost her that quick. Lost her because I broke my focus. I had her scoped out and I lost track of her. How many times has it happened? I wonder how many, do you know that they say that people on cell phones now cost more lives than drunk driving? Why? Because for just a second, there's a distraction. Just a second. Sometimes I just feel like telling Siri to keep her mouth shut. Just, you know, beep. You know, or however yours is, man, everybody talks. And Siri won't even talk to me. She's so sad. Debbie can talk to Siri. I can talk to I'm not kidding you. I can show you after church. I talk to Siri. She ignores me completely. I thought, well, okay, we've got a mutual relationship. I'm going to ignore you too. <laughs> but here's the truth, is if I would learn how to ignore those distractions, then I wouldn't lose my focus, and I could stay scoped in. I finally got her back in the scope. I cannot tell you, those of you that hunt know what I'm talking about. I cannot tell you how hard it was to keep my eye on her because I wanted to look at what was going on around me. I was so, I, I was so intrigued about who else has come out of those woods. See, here's the deal is that God is attracting us. He's trying to draw us to him to get us closer to him. And in that mix, the devil starts trying to create a distraction to take our eyes off the mark trying to drag me apart from God. I kept, kept, and just kept waiting 
for her to turn. You know what's unique on this scope? How many of you have ever bumped your scope? It's kind of like, you know, when I, I never forget, I was working for a, a contractor and he had his son working for him and we were out framing a house up and his dad said, hey, put a level against that wall and make sure it's level. He takes one of those great big four foot levels and he puts it against that wall and he said, it needs to go that way a little bit. I kid you not. He took the hammer and smacked the level. Oh, man, his dad, I saw him turn three shades of red. And all of a sudden, he walked over there, and he, he took that four-foot level, and he threw it on the concrete, and he said, there's a $100 bill. Don't attack the very thing that keeps you in focus. <laughs> Don't, do you understand? Sometimes you, you see it happening all over the world today. You see it with, with people all the time. They attack the very God that's keeping them in focus, the very God that wants to draw them to him. They're fighting against him because the devil is working at distracting them from him. Let me talk to you about, I, there are a lot of ways that God works to attract us to bring us close to him. I want to speak to you just about four of these ways, okay? The first one, if, if you got a pen, write this down. It's the word. Amen. Everybody say the word. Can I tell you that the word is like these two knobs? Here's what you have to understand. When, when you've got a, when, you, when you've got a, uh, that's the wrong end. You got to know which, you got to know that one, the front from the back. But when you're focusing in a scope, these two knobs become very important because it determines whether or not you're going to hit the mark. You have to move one knob and it adjusts. And so it's a, it's a literally a continuation of fire adjust, fire adjust. Do you understand that every day we get up and we begin to try and adjust our lives, the way that we do that is through his word. We get up and it's fire adjust, fire adjust, because this is more than a book. The Bible said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when I get in His Word, He gets in me. Amen. How many of you want Him in you? Amen. I remember I was out in Arkansas preaching a revival, and there have been times that I, I, I've been reading, and, and I'd hold this Bible like this, and honest to goodness, there have been times that I held it up, and I don't let this get out of here. I don't want people to think, I'm, but I've, I've held it up, and I've taken like that, and I said, God, please, I just want to consume this. I want this to come a part of me. And when I was out in that field in Arkansas, and I was reading, this is so powerful. It draws me. And it didn't just draw me, it drew a cow. I had a cow show up over my shoulder. Walk, I was sitting out on a rock in the middle of a field and a cow walked up to me and started trying to eat my Bible. And I looked at him, I said, buddy, if anybody's going to eat this, it's going to be me. <laughs> you just back off here. I got to stay focused. Everybody say stay focused. So he attracts us with his word. Everyone say his word. The other way that he attracts us is through prayer. You, you pray because you believe, right? 
And, and here's what we have to, we got to get this because, you know, in Corinthians, it tells us to serve the Lord without distractions. So if we're going to serve the Lord without distractions, we have to make sure that we've got it scoped out right. We got to make sure that we've got him in sight. The word helps me keep it scoped out. The word helps me hit the crosshairs. It lets me know if I'm veering off one way or the other way. It's not about how I feel. It's about what he says. Think about this. Think about this. Because Jesus is in the desert praying and fasting. And who shows up? The devil. The devil always shows up when you're trying to get close to God. The devil will always show up when you're trying to dedicate yourself to God. The devil shows up and he takes Jesus up to a high place. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, look, I'll give you all this if you'll just bow down and worship me. He's trying to drag him away from God. He's trying to distract him by getting him to focus on the things of the world instead of on God. Now, the devil lost that battle because Jesus whipped him. <laughs> oh, come on, give my hand clap. <laughs> here's, here, here's the part I want you to get. Jesus whipped him as a man. Jesus didn't tap in to his divinity. He doesn't call for angels and say, man, I'm the son of God. He stands up and as the son of man, he looks at him and says, it is written. He goes to the word. He shows us you don't have to be the son of God, the only begotten. There's a lot of sons of God, but he's the only begotten son of the father. You don't have to be that. Jesus is showing you, you can whip him when you stand on the word. Declare the word. He's trying to distract you. He's trying to drag you off. Declare the word and pray. He had been in prayer. Prayer is not about a list of this is what I want. Prayer is literally, what does Jesus do when he prays in the garden? Prayer's about surrender. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Now, he let God know what he wanted. He said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. I'd prefer not to do this, but not my will, but your will be done. Because we have to trust him with the outcome. Amen. We trust him with the outcome. And so he prays. And prayer isn't just about us talking. Prayer is about us taking time to listen. How many of you know that it's important that when you're praying that you find a quiet spot where, and, and then you're saying nothing. You, you, you've talked and now you're listening. And it's in that listening that all of a sudden God begins to speak to you. It's in that listening and, and, and being able to discern the voice of God. The scripture says that my children know my voice and a stranger they won't follow. And when you know that, the other thing about prayer, and we forget, and I preached this just a few weeks ago, prayer engages an army of angels. When you begin to pray, it begins to engage an army that fights on your behalf. Remember Daniel's prayer? Gabriel, heard you when you first prayed. But the prince of Persia prevented me. The devil was trying to distract. He was trying to drag away 
But Daniel stayed true to his prayers, and another angel got dispatched. <laughs> and Micah come and put a whipping on the prince of Persia so Gabriel could get through to Daniel. I try and remind myself of that when I'm praying. How many of you have ever prayed and felt like it was just hitting a wall, just not getting anywhere? And then I, when, when that happens, I try and remind myself, okay, there must be some principalities going on here. There's a demon someplace in this, that doesn't want God to answer me. So, God, I thank you, Lord, because I know your word is true and I know that you have life. Father, I thank you, God, that I'm receiving an answer, God, that you hear me when I pray. I trust you, Lord. And, man, it's like all of a sudden feeling like, oh, did I, was that the Calvary I heard? Was that, was that a trumpet calling the troops in? And God will answer. He'll get through and draw us to him through prayer. Everybody say prayer. The third thing I want to talk to you about is worship. Everybody say worship. Now, worship is different than prayer because prayer is like a conversation and worship is like a candlelight dinner with your wife. How do you mean? Have you ever, have, have you ever gone to try and have a romantic dinner and the waiter keeps coming by and asking you if you want some more water. Honey, I love you. Your eyes are astounding there. You know, and, and, and all of a sudden, somebody, can I help you? Would you like some more water? Would you care for some more coffee? Can I get you anything? Yeah, you could get out of here is what you could get. <laughs> It's like, don't worship, worship. Everybody say intimacy. Now let's slow it down and say it again. In to me see. It's like when you worship, it's like God peers into your heart and you peer into the heart of God. That's why I don't like distractions when I worship. Man, that's my time with God. I've got him in focus. I've, I have scoped him out, and I can't afford to take my eyes off of him because if I move for a second, you guys know what I'm talking about, man. You, you, you get your eyes off that scope for a second, and sometimes, especially if you're in woods, it's hard to get it back in. It's hard to be able to look at it and get it back in focus. And I promise you, the devil will do anything he can to create a distraction for you. He wants to drag you away from God. And God is saying, no, I'm going to bring you to me. Everybody say, he's bringing us to him. This is what worship does. Worship strengthens and encourages us. It recharges and energizes us. It's like that song that they shall mount up with wings of an eagle. I can't explain it any better than this. I wish I had the dialogue to do it, but maybe I'm inept when it comes to this. But I'm telling you that when I begin to worship, it feels like I'm rising up on eagle's wings. It, worship carries me to places with God that nothing else can. That's why back in this corner, we pray together every Sunday and ask God to allow the worshipers and the musicians to be able to open up the windows of heaven so there can be a a transaction that takes place between the body and between God where all of a sudden we're ushered into his presence worship everybody say worship the fourth thing I want to talk to you about and this is the last thing that I'll talk about today 
on how God attracts us. He pulls us to him. It's the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Now, let's take a look at this. What, what exactly is the Holy Spirit? Look at John 14, starting with verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, watch the words here, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Here it comes. Are you ready? But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Do you know that when you look up the translation or the definition of Holy Spirit of Spirit, it means the Spirit of Christ, ghost, literally. That's why King James had it translated into ghost instead of spirit because it was the Spirit of Christ. He said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. He tells him in another place, he said, it's needful that I go away. If I don't go away, the comforter's not going to come. He said, do, do you understand? What you've got right here is you've got me in limits. But when I go away to the Father, then the Spirit, he's going to send the comforter in my name. I'm going to be in you. There's not going to be any limits. You're going to have me 24-7. I'm going to be able to speak to you, to talk to you, to work through you and work in you. Somebody shout, Yes. I love this part. Jesus, after he's crucified, so here it comes. Are you ready? After Jesus is crucified in the book of John, it says that he looks at his disciples, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. I got to tell you, man, when I got saved, something happened inside me. I mean, something happened inside me. I'm not talking about talking in tongues yet. Are you with me? Because that's different. What I got when I got saved was an indwelling of the Spirit. What happened on the day of Pentecost was an empowering of that spirit. So all of a sudden he said, now you go and tarry at Jerusalem until you're empowered from on high. Because after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you're going to be witnesses. What's he saying? He's saying, I've breathed in you. I'm living in you. But I'm getting ready to supercharge you. I'm going to put a tiger in your tank. I'm going to put some dynamite in you so you can respond for me. Everybody say, attracting ghost attracting when I went yeah I've, I've shared my story with I went to church and they start talking about the Holy Ghost man I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit I looked at him I said you mean tell me some ghost comes in here I, I showed up I was all for it man I'd been reading about poltergeists I was bring it on bring it on I never saw Casper but I sure enough had an encounter with Jesus I didn't see him with my eye but I felt him in my heart when all of a sudden I felt that I felt him in fill me indwell me he was attracting me how many of you today want God to use you would you stand with me right now you want God to use you so here's what we've got to do Turn around, look at your neighbor, and, and I, I want you to look at him and take their hand and look at him real quick. Would you do it? I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. Just take the hand, look at him, and say, I love you, and I appreciate you, 
but don't distract me. <laughs> don't, don't distract me. I, I feel something drawing me close. I, I feel the word speaking to me. I feel prayer welling up in my heart and I want to worship a little bit. And so now I feel the Holy Spirit uh, indwelling me uh, and he's bringing me closer than I've ever been before. Now here, here's the key. Do you think he does that just so you can go, man, me and Jesus got our own thing going. That song, you ever hear that song? Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? No, you don't. God so loved the world. The world. It's not just about me and Jesus. Jesus loves you. And he's saying, now, if you love me, you're going to let them know that I love them too. If you love me, you're not going to pull off in a corner someplace and try and keep it in your pocket and not share. Do you ever see a kid with an ice cream cone? You can't have none. There's something special about my granddaughter, and it's not because she's my granddaughter. I, I've seen her go up to complete strangers. She looked at Debbie one time and she said, I need to go hug her. There's a lady in the building, she didn't even know who she was. She said, I need to go hug her. And she said, okay, well, as soon as they're done. And they started to leave. And she goes, Nana, Nana, they're leaving. I need to go hug her. And so Debbie takes her over there. And she said, this is my granddaughter, Vivian. She wants to give you a hug. And she hugged that lady. And the lady said, this girl right here is really the one that needs a hug. They just got her out of a mental institution. She'd been bullied so bad that she literally felt like she wasn't worth anything. And Vivian reached out and put her arms around that girl. And I was telling you that the power and the presence of God begin to work. But you need to understand you are a conduit. You're a conduit of God. If you're in this place today and you don't, you don't know him yet, you haven't. I'm not picking at you, man. I didn't know him. I didn't know I needed him. But if you're in here and you don't know him, I want to tell you, he loves you. More than you can fathom, more than you can begin to comprehend, he loves you. And he's trying to draw you right now. Can you feel it? Don't take that for granted. This is what Jesus said. Jesus made a statement and said, no man comes to the Son unless the Spirit, or he says, unless my Father draw him. So when you feel that, you need to cherish it. You need to say, thank you, God, for loving me that much that you're trying to draw me into your presence. So this is what I want to do today. If you're here and you want to be say yes to him, be drawn into his presence. Would you just stretch your hands up where you're at right now? Just stretch your hands. Pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you today asking you to shut down all the distractions in my life. I want you, God. Jesus, I need you. Draw me to you. 
I surrender myself right now. I confess my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. I claim you as my Lord and Savior. Receive me now in Jesus' name. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in this house. If you're in here and you prayed that from your heart and you meant that, things are changed for you. Just ask Jude. Jude came up out of that baptistry, and the first thing he did was shout, Hallelujah! I don't know if you could hear him out here, man. I heard him back there. I thought he was going to baptize me. Hallelujah! He was so excited. It's time that we get rid of the distractions because God has got something special that he wants to do through each and every one of us. Are you ready to let him do it? Amen. That's what I'm going to do at close today. I'm going to ask you to come to the front of the building, if you would, just quickly move to the front of the building with me. Don't worry, I'm not going to grab you. Just move to the front of the building with me. And this is what you're saying. God, I give all of me to you, not part of me, not a portion of me. But all of me. Now let me be honest with you because when I did that, <laughs> there was part of me that thought, God, I don't even know what you want with me. I, I don't even know what you could do with me. I, he created you. He created you with purpose. And the devil just tried your entire life to distract you from that purpose. I want you to just shout it out with me. No more, devil. <laughs> I, I got my mind made up. I, I'm, I'm getting scoped in right now. My eye is on the target. Let's stretch our hands to heaven right now. Jesus, we come to you asking you to use us. Father, have your way in our lives. We pray, Father, that as we surrender to you, God, that you'll draw us so close that nothing can get between us. Help me to be able to see what it is that you have, that you want me to do, and I'll do it wholeheartedly. God, I give you all of me. God, I know that I get things wrong and that I mess up, but I also know that you're bigger than my mess up. And so I get up and I say, here I am, God. Have your way. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. If you're in this house, so we get ready to let you go. If you're in this house and you've got a special need, I want you to come right now. I'd love to be able to pray with you and just ask God to meet that need. Remember, what draws us, what's the law of attraction, what brings us close? His word, worship, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. Let them work in your life. Amen. Amen. Stretch your hands. Have a look. You can feel free to go. If you've got a special need, come, and we'll pray for you right now, okay? God bless you. Stretch your hands. Take it all. Take it all. My life in your hands. My heart.